Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. First Sunday of the year. What does God want to do in your life? You know, I am so excited that you're here, but church, God has so much for his children. He does. And the word that you're going to hear a lot in 2020 is multiplication. You're going to hear the word multiplication. Um, and, and in prayer, I was just really taking, God, what do you want to say? What do you want us to do? I, I'm not really looking for a theme, but I am looking for some direction. Like, what do you want for us? And, 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 and as and I begin to study multiplication, here is what stuck out to me. When you look at the word multiplication, it, it means this, that there, multiplication is the process, the process and the skill of multiplying. The process and the skill. Come on, let, let me just download this for you. I believe that God has a process for you. God has a process for all of us. When we come into line with his process, multiplication is a byproduct. From the very beginning, come on, y'all help me. From the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden, it was this idea that because of where I've put you and because of how I've created you, you are created to multiply if you do, come on, my process. My process. But the other thing I think is equally as important and it is this, is that some multiplication is process and some multiplication is skill. Skill. For believers, we want to come down real quick to the altar and we want to give God all of our junk and we want him instantly to take us to new levels. But there is a process. There is a process. All throughout the Bible, there is this process. What is the process? The process is seed, time, harvest. There is a process from the very beginning. Come on. If you think about this process, when, as soon as God wanted to free the children of Israel, he could have snapped his fingers and given them Canaan. But there was a process. What does process do? It reveals character. It helps us realize, okay, are we committed to this? Are we committed to the hype of this? Are we committed to the excitement of this? Or are we going to walk through something? Are we going to walk through some hard? Are we going to uncover some nasty? Are we going to unearth some things? See, the process is purifying. Some of us aren't where we want to be yet, but you need to know something. You're in process. Jesus, the moment that he fulfilled scripture and was baptized by John the Baptist, he could have gone to the cross. But there was a process. What was the process? The process is that we were going to take the infilling of what Jesus had and put it in 12 other men, okay? And these 12 other men, come on, one fell off, but, but, but these 11 men were going to keep growing and they were going to create the church and the church was going to create, does that make sense? And so there was a process that God was doing and God is doing a process in your life. And that's good. We all want to be there. 
but there's a process. I think the other thing that causes multiplication is skill. Skill. And that, that's like a bad word in church. Because it's like, we just want our marriage to work, and if I come on Sunday, it should just work. It's a little skill in this. <laughs> like, like, like if you really want to take your marriage, if you really want to take your parenting, come on, if you want to take your finances, maybe it's not God holding something back. Maybe it's time for a little skill. Maybe it's time to develop a little, little, does it make sense? Skill. Well, I don't know why God's not blessing me. I'm going to church more than I ever have. I don't understand what I'm saying, but, but maybe we need to leave that debit card at home because the skill of just go one more time. Does that make sense? Like, like, like maybe there's now a skill that needs to, develop. I don't know, I, I've been going to church for like four Sundays in a row. And it hasn't happened yet. Well, maybe we, listen, listen, if we really want to see great freedom happen in our family, maybe we need to develop the skill of being quiet. See, see, a lot of times there is process, but another time there is skill. And so I have learned some skills in marriage, mostly because my wife has taught me these skills. But, but, but I have realized that when I do the process and I develop the skill, life is better. And here's what I want to say. Maybe you're not waiting on God to open up a new door for you, but maybe there is a process that you need to submit to or a skill that you need to develop. And I know that that is kind of some self-awareness moment, but way too many times we come to church thinking it is on God. To do it. I'm ready if he's ready. No, 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 no. The process perfects. The skill provides opportunity. And so part of us, maybe you're here today because God wants to put you in the process. You know, and, and, and maybe the, your next level is to actually, listen to this. This is, this is another bad word in church, is to surrender. Like if I surrender my hurt, if I surrender my rejection, if I surrender my offense, if I surrender my passion, if I surrender these things to the Lord, will he not unearth the real desires of my heart? If I surrender to him, will he not begin to move in me? Maybe I've done that, but now I need some skills. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm wanting to, to advance my career. I'm wanting to take another step. I'm wanting to advance some things. I have some stuff in me, and you know what? I'm going to, I heard the word. I've been obedient. Now I'm just going to go start my business. Well, maybe. You, come on, you need to read a book. Maybe you need to develop some skills. Does that make sense? Maybe there, what's holding you back isn't anything from the Lord. Maybe there's some skills. See, I don't know why I don't have the friends. Well, maybe we need some skills. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, come on. But at, at, at 45, everybody loves you. At 50, everybody loves you. But, but, but maybe there's some skills. Like, we want to see all the food in your mouth. Skills. <laughs> come on, help me. Come on. Come on. I know this ain't Some of y'all like, we need to get back to Jesus. But, but seriously. Because I think sometimes we think I'm doing all the right things, but I'm not getting where I want to be. 
And sometimes it's process and sometimes it's skills. When we look at this, I think multiplication happens when we are actively under his process and developing skills. There are many people in the Bible who pursued God. Some pursued God casually. Others hungered for more of God's presence. <gasps> One man who um, uh, pursued God casually was King Saul. King Saul was the first king in Israel. And so let me just give you his origin story a little bit. Is that the people of Israel did not want um, God to rule them anymore. Um, uh, it was hard to describe, well, who's your ruler? We, our king is this, your king is this, our king is this. Who is your king? I am. Okay, well, who's that? Well, so, okay, well, he's like, is this, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to, okay, so we'd rather have a man. So that when people said, who's your king? We can say, that guy. Because it was too hard to describe, I am. And so, because of that choice, they picked King Saul. And, but King Saul, listen, on the outside, he was handsome and tall and strong. And he, come on, he checked all the boxes. But, but Saul had uh, one thing against him. God was an afterthought. God was an afterthought. And, and for, for Saul, he cared more about what people thought than he cared about what God thought. Come on, help me. He cared more about how he looked than obeying the Lord. He was hungry, but he was hungry to please people. And he was hungry for prestige, but he wasn't really hungry for God's presence. And because of his actions, he could never multiply his kingdom, and the kingdom was taken from him. The, the other king is David. Well, uh, David was anointed as king, and when you read his origin story, he was not very that, he was not impressive. He was a ruddy little kid. He was I'm not even a warrior, and I'm strong, can't do anything. I mean, when his dad was told by the prophet, hey, I'm coming to your house to anoint the next king, David wasn't even invited to the party. Like, so he was a nobody. But David had one thing that Saul never had. He had a heart for God. You see, David knew, listen to this, he knew he couldn't make it without God. He knew he couldn't make it without God. Now, now if I'm going to be transparent, David had a very colorful journey. Um, uh, he had an affair with a married woman. Uh, he killed the husband of his lover. <laughs> He didn't really discipline his kids and cause major harm in his family. And there were moments of pride and, I mean, disobedience. And he had faults. He had faults. But the Bible esteems King David as the one who has the heart after God. He chose God, listen, over people and Saul didn't. Because of his actions, the kingdom experienced victory and multiplication. Victory and multiplication. Listen to one of these verses that David wrote. In Psalms chapter 23, verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
Church, I am convinced, listen to this, that King David found a key about God that we need to know. The key was that God has mercy and grace for imperfect people as long as they are quick to turn from their sin and stay hungry for the presence of God. In a nutshell, religion says, work on the outer and you'll be more impressive. But the truth of the matter is, we all have flesh. We all fall short. We have good days, and we, I wish I had somebody to witness this. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, we're all very quiet, like, it's, it's them. <laughs> Listen, the truth of the matter is, you're not going to come here and serve God at 18 and never have another scar in your life. You're not. You're going to drive down the highway of life and you're going to hear a pastor or leader say, go straight. And as soon as you start driving straight in your naivety, you think that's all there is to driving. And then there's a curve and you're like, ah! And you will think church doesn't work. No, we want you to drive straight, but there's an occasional time that you're going to have to turn this joker. And you know what? As soon as you go 35, then you go 45. And then you go 45, you got to go 55. And then you go 55, 70. And then you go to Texas, and it's 90. And then you come back, back to Arkansas, and we're like 30 again. And so, and you're like, I just want some consistency in my life. Yes. But here's one thing that will keep you very, very consistent. There was not a time... When David was in the presence of God, that God did not correct David, that he did not fall to his knees and repent. See, there is a difference between people who fall short and turn and repent and their heart melts like wax because the truth is we all have frustrations. We all have enemies. There are, I love this verse because it's real. It's real. Listen, he prepares a table for me in the midst of my enemies. This isn't a prophetic verse of the future. We're not talking about the table is heaven. This is here on earth. Well, how do you know that? In heaven, there ain't going to be no enemy. There ain't no bad guys. When the trumpet blows and we all go, there's hell, there's heaven, and there ain't going to be no enemies. Come on, listen. In heaven. But you are going to encounter some people Breathe it in. That don't like you. You're going to encounter some people that don't like the way you do it, don't like the way you said it, don't like the way you parent, don't like the what you do, and you're going to feel like I've got enemies, but in the midst of that, there is a table of nourishment that will feed you, come on, help me, even when you feel like you're attacked, even when you feel like nobody values you, even when you feel like you're all alone, there is a table, come on, somebody, prepared for you. David writes of this table. God doesn't leave us. He's faithful. Even, listen to this. This is so beautiful. This is why we can never get callous to the gospel. He is faithful when we are unfaithful. That's why religion is so dangerous because it acts if our knowledge about God supersedes the turmoil 
of living our life. There are moments to go make the wrong call. But here in this church, we're hoping that when those moments happen, you melt like wax before God. And you quickly turn and you go again rather than give up and say, I blew it and I'm done. Does this make sense? The Bible uses another illustration where we put our hand to the plow and we don't look back. Why w- Everything that Jesus describes as a visual picture is to give us an understanding because he's talking to us. Like he's talking, the Bible's written to us, the believer, the person that wants to take a step, that wants to do it right. But what I'm telling you is there is going to be a moment when what is behind you feels more attractive than the hard in front of you. But you keep moving forward. You keep moving forward. Over the next few weeks, we are going to start a sermon series called Hunger. And I believe for this church to grow into all that it has. And, and in February, we celebrate. Come on, this is a cheer moment. I'm, I'm setting you up for it. Um, uh, in February, we, we, we celebrate four years. Great. Way better than first service. Um, and so here's what we've seen. We've seen seeds sown. We've seen harvest. We've seen, we've seen reaping. But I believe that we have not experienced yet multiplication. And for that to happen, we need to have a little church staff meeting and we need talk. Because for that to happen, we're going to have to be a church that keeps the main thing the main thing. So what's the main thing? I know you were thinking that. The main thing is that our believers stay hungry. That our believers stay hungry. Come on. That we don't get callous. That we don't just do church. Listen, I love our systems. And we need systems. And we made more systems because we didn't want to frustrate people. So I I know we need systems. But the system ain't going to save you. The system is so that we don't frustrate your flesh. But it has nothing to do with your spirit. In our church, listen, we want a great culture. We want a life-giving culture. We want to hug you when we see you. We want to cry with you when you're crying. We want to help. We want to do. But let me tell you something. The culture, we are not creating, listen to this, a business. We are creating a lifestyle. And the lifestyle produces the culture. Does that make sense? And so our relationship with the Lord has got to be hungry and first because only the Lord can help me love you jokers. And only you guys can love me because of the Lord. I mean, that's it. And so if we try to make the culture just a system or we try to, and we're going to teach, we're going to train, and we want to protect our culture. We do. We believe that culture um, eats vision all the time. Whatever it feels like is what people will lean into. But we got to have some people that know the Lord. And we got to have some people that will take their frustrations and their guilt and their shame and their hurt and their baggage and their bondage and their stuff to the Lord. And we got to have people that cry out to the Lord because here's the deal. You ain't calling me all the time at nine. And that doesn't mean that I, wow, the church just grew and now the pastor's on a product of all. 
No, the church grew, and we're expecting you to grow, and we need you to get off milk, and we need you to feed yourself, and we need you to read a book. We need you to get in a podcast. Come on, somebody. We need you to go through a chapter of the Bible. Listen, the only time we open it during the week isn't when I open it. Come on, somebody. Like, like there is a place for you, and here's why I say this. It's not because I don't want to walk with you. I do, but I know that I am not transcendent. I can't be everywhere that you need all the time. But there is a helper, a Holy Spirit, who can walk with you, and he is the great comforter. And when you are totally overwhelmed, come on, somebody help me, then he will be present in the time of your trouble. I could invite you over for dinner. I'm probably not going to invite your enemies. We're probably going to have a good lunch. Probably going to be the hamburgers, right, Jay? You know what I'm saying? Because I like hamburgers. I like hamburgers. So don't, don't judge. Okay? But some of the things that you need to eat, you need to eat right in the middle of your life. You need to eat them like, right? I, I don't need to go over here and avoid my life. I need someone to feed me right in the midst of my struggle. Come on. Come on. We got to keep the main thing, the main thing. Even Jesus said this, and I wish I had time to read all of this, but I don't. Um, but, but I would encourage you, um, John chapter 6 talks a lot about Jesus being the bread of life. But I, I want to read you one little verse. John chapter 6, verse 35, it says, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, shall not hunger, shall not, I, I, I know I'm, you're like, you said it. Okay, but listen, I meet people all the time that are hungry for things that won't feed them and won't fill them. Well, if my wife could change and if my husband could change and if my kids could change and if I could make more money and if I could, you know, whatever it is. And so you don't even know because we're so busy that we haven't even stopped to go, what am I hungry for? And some of you are like, ice cream, like right now. <laughs> like I could do that, like right now, sprinkles. Like what are you hungry for? Are you hungry for your kid to call you and tell you that they appreciate you? Someone's like, yeah, <laughs> amen. What are you hungry for? Are you hungry to be noticed? Are you hungry to get rid of your shame? Are you hungry to get over your guilt? Are you hungry to break addiction? Like, what are you hungry for? Because I am telling you this, a five-step method will help some discipline, but what you need to do is feed, come on, at the table of the Lord because you won't be hungry anymore. Two thousand twenty. The goal isn't a better you; it's a closer you. Because everything multiplies when we come under the process and we develop the skill. God created everything to work, to work. But the world will offer you a surrogate. They will say, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. I know. And from the very beginning, the first family had to deal with the same thing. 
Adam and Eve are in the garden, and the enemy says, it doesn't matter. And they're like, well, I think it does. No, it doesn't. I, 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 I really do think it does. It doesn't eat it. Okay, I will. <laughs> and from that moment to this moment, there has been voices and choices that you've had to make. Come on. The buffet is open. The buffet is open and the table is set and God has everything, listen to me, that you need to overcome in your life. But it may require your submission and it may require a skill. I'll never forget... uh, my wife a couple years ago took me to a Brazilian steakhouse. Come on, anybody ever done? Anybody ever done that? Come on, listen. I grew up on buffets. I did. I grew up on buffets. CC's was my jam until I realized most of it is not. Okay, never mind. Yeah, that may be your favorite pie. Okay, um, and then Ryan's. Come on, I elevated to Ryan's. Come on. Then Western Sizzler. Come on, steak and shrimp night. Anybody on Tuesday? It was cool. It was only me. All right. Some of you are like, we don't do buffets anymore. All right. I got you. Well, let me tell you something. This Brazilian steakhouse is next level. It is next level. I was not prepared for what I was going to receive. They give you a card when you walk in. One side is green, the other side is red, and when they say it's on green, it's go time. I was like, what's go time? The meat is coming. I'm like, it's a meat extravaganza. (laughs) I turn the green over, and here comes the meat. I'm talking about steak, pork chop, lamb. I mean, mean, it's just, and it's just all, and they're like, how much do you want? And I'm like, and my wife's like, have you tried the salad? I'm like, what? Anybody want salad at a time like this? (laughs) The soup is delightful. I'm like, you don't come here for the soup. (laughs) I promise you in 45 minutes, I gained 15 pounds. It was awesome. I could literally feel myself getting larger. I'm like, my hand's growing. <laughs> this experience was, was awesome. I'm just telling you. But as awesome as it was, I don't do it every weekend. One of the reasons I don't do it is because of the distance. I mean, it was in Dallas. And so, I mean, we may go, but... It's not like date night. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not driving there. It was, it was, it, nobody was in t-shirts and, t- uh, and, and shorts. Nobody was in flip-flop. Like everybody was dressed up. It was a, it was a dressed up event. So I was like, oh, I dress up on Sundays. It was pricey. When I went, it was pricey. I mean, it was like, like, I'm like, this ain't CeCe's girl. <laughs> it's very expensive. And so I just, as I begin to think about that, church, I would hate for that to be our experience as believers, is that you come to church Sunday after Sunday, and you're concerned about the distance. You're concerned about who you are. And you're concerned about the price that you never eat the meal. Like you think, I, I, I can't eat from that table because I, 
I'm too far away. And I can't eat at that table because you don't know the wrongs I've done. And I can't, I can't eat at that table because I can't pay the price. And I feel like sometimes in our Christian faith, we have the, the divergent Christian faith. Anybody ever seen that movie, Divergent? It's like the, the train is running and they're like, ah! and we're like always trying to get on the train, but we can't. Some of you are like, best analogy ever. It's your favorite movie. Everybody else is like, didn't see it. It's okay, Rotten Tomatoes, it was a 14, so you didn't miss anything. Listen, <laughs> it's my wife's favorite movie. <laughs> um, but I think that, I know that was so flesh. I'm sorry, it was, it was one of those moments. You have those moments, listen. I don't want you to feel like coming to church, you're never close like the train is always moving and you can never get on and I try, but I, I just can't. There's a table that is set and Jesus is the bread, listen, of life. And he wanted you to know that because he wants to give it to you. He wants to, to give it to you. And, and the truth is, we need to know that because of the price that Jesus paid, listen to this, there is an open heaven. Meaning that we have access to the buffet of true life. And this price that was paid by Jesus, listen to this, it begins to change your life and it, this, this, it's life-giving, it's way-finding, it's overcoming, it's growth-producing, it's freedom in the blood of Jesus. The buffet is open, but if we choose to eat other things, then we will miss the process and we will never develop the skill. Hunger is a proof that you're alive. Hunger means that you're in an active state of living. And what I want to know is, if we're going to multiply this year, if we're going to have people who go out and, and live better outside the walls, if we're going to have people of authentic worship that can bring broken people to their table, if we're going to do that, then we've got to have some people that move from milk to meat. We're going to have to have some people, and that doesn't mean that they're better But you don't learn how to pray from a book. You learn how to pray from a mentor. And then you go get, read a book to get better understanding. Everything that I've learned about leadership, I've learned because there was a model. And then I got hungry for it, and then I wanted to learn more about it because I saw it. Does this make sense? The truth of the matter is we need people to be infants and babies and we need you to cry and make mistakes and have to change your diaper. And listen, nobody in here is allowed to be frustrated at that because that means there's a, the sign of life. But then there's other ones of you that you've been on milk for a while and we need to open our Bible. <laughs> like it's time because here's the deal. The longer you stay on milk, and grow, the less it's effective in your life. And so you will actually grow to the place where you are bored in church. Your heart is hard because you're not growing. Does this make sense? 
We all have moments when we're full of other thoughts. And come on, let's talk about what we could be full of. This is not you, but, but let's, just, let's just talk about this a little. You could be full of fear, full of stress, full of frustration, full of compromise, full of shame, full of guilt, full of unforgiveness, full. And all of these things, what do they do? They lead you to a hard heart and a full stomach. we got to be very, very careful because of offense and frustrations. People can pull back from the table of the Lord. And, and I need to tell you this. There is no family relationship, your own personal family or this church family. Listen, I need to let you know where division is not waiting for family. Division is waiting, and, and the goal for the enemy is to push you back from the table and go, I've had enough of this stuff. I'm not coming to Thanksgiving next year. Come on, anybody ever said that? Raise your hand. If your parents are here, don't do that. Anybody ever thought, I'm not going there for Christmas. I'm, my God, I'm hella freeze over. Come on. There is no place where you're going to be in proximity of real relationship where you're not going to have to face, listen, division. Because division is a work of the enemy because he wants you to pull back and say, I want no more. I don't want any more. I don't want to eat that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. And if we were to read our Bible, we could see that in every moment where that happened, bondage came. Every time. Every time. What are you hungry for? Are you hungry for what is true? Are you hungry for what is right? Are you hungry for what is fruitful? What are you hungry for? And, and, and so let me give you three little lines. It's going to be intense. And then we'll say something funny, hopefully. That affair will not fare well. You leaving will only just leave a scar. The position that you think will make everything happy in your life is just a place, but it's not solid. We are all hungry for respect and love and acceptance, and all of that is found at the table. Like all of that is found, come on, listen, at the table of the Lord, that's where it's found. That's where it's found. Our passion for the Lord can get complacent. Our voices can get silent. Our praise can be an afterthought. Our church attendance slips back. Drama goes up and life becomes messy. I've been pastoring long enough to see excitement, push back from the table, withdraw. People ask me, I had somebody call me a pastor and say, how, how do you not get offended? How do you not get mad about that? I was like, have you read the Old Testament? Like, that's the children of Israel all the time. And I can tell you like 15 times that's been us. What we do is pray. What we do is hope. What we do is we don't give up. That's what we do. That's what you do. Is we pray. Come on, listen. We hope. We don't give up. Listen. Psalms 122 verse 1 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Listen, you can know 
that your heart is becoming hard when you no longer want to practice the presence. See, I don't want to open my Bible because I'm too busy. I don't want to take my time to pray. I don't, oh man, you're going to go to church? We're going to go to church. I don't know, you're going to go to church. It doesn't matter if we go to church. Let's go to church. What do you think? I don't know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, we, we, I mean, the church isn't building anyway, except for the Bible says in Hebrews, don't give up assembling together. And it also says that I am in, if there are two or more witnesses, I'm in the presence. And here's the deal. I hope that you don't feel worse when you come. But I do hope that you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And there is no church that you need to go to that doesn't love you, know you, and challenge you some. Because God wants you to thrive. He wants you to thrive. There is something different about the house of the Lord that is different than the Brazilian steakhouse, than going to the movies. I like movies. Than going fishing. Nathan, I want to go. Uh, there is a lot, there's a lot of great places Come on, going shopping? I've got a 13-year-old girl. Like, shopping is a thing now. <laughs> hey, you want to play at home? No, I'm going to go shopping. Huh. Okay. Listen, all those things are great, but none of them house the presence of God. None of them. Two reasons why we need to stay hungry for God. Man, y'all go ahead and come up. Two reasons that we need to stay hungry for God. The first is life changes at the table of the Lord. Life changes at the table. Listen to this. Fellowship happens at the table. How many of you love going out to eat with your enemy? Like, it doesn't happen. Most of the people that you go out to eat with, you're like, I like you. I want you to go. It would be fun. The reason that we come and eat at the table is because the fellowship with the king changes everything in our life. Yesterday, I just had, ate some noodles with some friends. We had a great time. The reality is, listen to this, it's so important because who you associate with, listen to what I'm saying, is important. Appetite is always influenced by who we associate with. It always is. And so I know the religious meter's coming up and going, what are you saying, Pastor? Give me some time. I'll, I'll lay this out for you. If you hang out with people who love to travel, you're going to start loving to travel. If you hang out with people who only talk about sports, then they will all be praying that Dallas Cowboys have a better coach. If you, if you begin to, listen, if you begin to, what? You will begin to think like those that you're around. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 20 says, So if you walk in the way of the good, keep your path of the righteous. Here is a major issue. Here's a major issue. As we grow, we don't understand that the mission is one thing and the method is another. You can only do the mission if you're full of the method. If you empty yourself of the method, then the mission will overtake you. Jesus was never really tempted when he hung around the sinners and the prostitutes. 
because he operated in the fullness and so he never went empty he understood the method. The method is I'm going to have to fast some. The method is I'm going to have to seek God. The method is I'm going to have to know. And because I get full, now I can be activated and I can be missional and I can go eat with people and I can walk into places that I wouldn't because I'm not going there empty and I'm not looking for other things to fill me up. Does it make sense? But if you miss the method and just try to be missional, then you will lose As Christians, come on, listen, we love people. We hope for people. We hope for the best. We don't write anybody off. We care. But if you keep running into the fire to help everybody else, but you don't nurture your soul, you're about to be burned. You're about to be burned. Your first and foremost responsibility is to put that oxygen mask on you first and breathe in eat at the table come on does it make sense take care of your heart take care of your soul and out of the overflow of love I'm going to pray for you at the overflow of love I'm going to reach out to you at the overflow of love but I can't be empty and be missional life happens at the table redemption happens at the table listen remember the story of the prodigal son when he starts coming back the dad says, put a ring on his finger, put a robe around him, let's kill the fatted cow. And what did he say? Let's eat. Come on. Part A. Let me let's. We're doing this. Why? Because what was lost is now returned. Restoration. Don't ever come to this church and feel guilty. Just repent. God, forgive me. I let some stuff get in my heart. I let some stuff get in my mind. I, I, I know that that's not what you want me to feed on. And I want to be hungry for what, everything that you have for me. And I'm willing to work through what is hard before me. Then turn around and walk back to what's easy. The reason Jesus would use that example is because what is behind us sometimes seems better. Then the next hurdle, hard conversation, feedback, courageous moment, and it's very easy to go, I just want to be. Behind? I just want to be behind? Behind my calling? Behind my destiny? I just want to be behind? Rest, listen, redemption happens at the table, restoration happens at the table. When you come to the table and eat, here's what you're going to hear. Regardless of how old you are or young you are, here's what you're going to hear. Son, daughter. Son, daughter. Son, daughter. Have you ever eaten with someone and you automatically feel better about yourself? Like you're eating with them and you're like, oh my God, I came to this meeting feeling like I am like a loser. And then all of a sudden they start pouring into you and calling what you are and begin to reach down and pull out the value in who you are. And you're like, <laughs> and all of a sudden it's been like an hour and a half and you're like, please don't go. Please, please, please don't go. 
That is what it's like when you meet at the table of the Lord. He begins to say, value, called, anointed, hopeful, obedient, uh, victorious. Come on, somebody help me. And maybe you've been hungry digesting a bunch of lies and confusion about who you are. And I am telling you today, restoration happens at the table. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.